Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Clocked In with the Press, hosted at Altman Studios in Brentwood, California. We are here to spread some news, spill some tea, and make sure that you, our listeners, are both informed and entertained. Not everything stated in this podcast is supported by or reflects the beliefs of the press, so if you disagree with me, don't be afraid to tell me on Twitter or Instagram at PressClockedIn or on Facebook at ThePress.net. I am your host, Caitlin Gleason, Clocking In. So for the story of the day, we're going to be talking about the funding of arts in school systems. So for some statistics, funding for the arts in schools has steadily decreased over the last few years. The National Assembly of State Arts Agencies stated in their 2019 fiscal report that funding for the arts decreased by 43.4%. Additionally, according to a study done by grantmakers in the arts, when adjusting for inflation, total public funding decreased by 16.1% over the past 20 years. In constant dollar terms, state arts agency appropriations decreased by 35% and local funding contracted by 8.4%. And lastly, federal funds actually increased by 5.4%. However, before we say too much about this topic, let's go over the stories of the week. First up, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved the first COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine has been known as the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine and will now be marketed as Cominati for the prevention of COVID-19 disease in individuals 16 years of age and older. The vaccine also continues to be available under emergency use authorization used by the FDA during public health emergencies to provide access to medical products that may be effective in preventing, diagnosing, or treating a disease, provided that the FDA determines that the known and potential benefits of a product outweigh the known and potential risks of that same product. This is including individuals 12 through 15 years of age and for the administration of a third dose in certain immunocompromised individuals. Next, on August 25th, one person died and another was injured after a train hit a vehicle on East Cypress Road in Oakley. The sedan-style vehicle was traveling westbound on East Cypress Road at the railroad crossing when the train struck the rear of the vehicle shortly before 1 p.m., according to a news release by the Oakley police. A passenger in the vehicle, a 12-year-old boy, was pronounced dead on the scene, while the vehicle's driver, a 19-year-old female, was flown to John Muir Medical Center with serious injuries. The vehicle that collided with the train struck a second vehicle in the area, but none of the occupants in the second vehicle were injured. Authorities continue to investigate the cause of the accident, but there is no indication of any problems with the railroad signals. City officials have not identified anyone involved in the accident, but have confirmed that the 12-year-old that died was a Delta Vista Middle School student. Next up, three people were shot, including one fatally on Brentwood Boulevard in an unincorporated section of the city on August 24th, Tuesday afternoon, according to the Contra Costa Sheriff's Office. Deputies responding to reports of shots fired found two unidentified gunshot victims in front of a residence on Brentwood Boulevard and a third gunshot victim on the property at about 4.20 p.m., according to a Contra Costa County Sheriff's Office news release. The two victims found in front of the residence were transported to an undisclosed hospital for treatment of their wounds, while the third subject was pronounced dead on the scene. None of the subjects are being identified at this time, according to the sheriff's office, and homicide detectives and crime-led personnel are currently still saying that the investigation is ongoing. Lastly, when Samantha Colkins first completed the prestigious U.S. Marine Corps 16U and Junior Nationals Wrestling Tournament in Fargo, North Dakota, she finished third in cadets and in the top 12 in juniors. However, her 2021 trip has been even better. 
Now a senior at Liberty, Colkins was one of many decorated amateur wrestlers from around the country in Fargo from July 17th to 23rd. She did as well as expected, coming away with a national championship in the junior women's 200-pound division. Next up for Colkins is getting ready for the high school season, which will begin in the winter. She's also working on prepping for college. Colkins doesn't know where she's going to go, but she does know that she wants to keep wrestling once there. Those were the top stories of the week. Let's get back to the main topic of the day, the arts. When it comes to the arts, it is important to localize a person's understanding of how their community is impacted. Here today to talk with me about this subject is an art teacher from Freedom High School, Emily Bittner. Hi, Emily. Hey, hello. Hello. So how long have you been teaching? Well, I've been teaching for five years and learning and growing each one of those years. <laughs> That's a really good way to look at it. So um, were you always teaching art or did you want to start on a different subject? I knew since I was a very young child that mm. art was my absolute passion. Mm-hmm. Was wall art your absolute passion as a child? <laughs> yeah, just loved it. Um, yeah, coloring, seeing things in color, mm-hmm. living, I think, in a way where my family supported the arts and showed me how to be artistic. Um, I think was also another um, mm-hmm. beautiful thing that I got to be see- like seen mm-hmm. from a young childhood's perspective. Okay. And so how long have you been at Freedom High School? Two years. Two this years. This is my second year, yeah. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. Um, and so on average, how many students do you have in your classes and how many classes do you usually manage during a school year? If you can imagine this, I have... 200 students. Oh my goodness. Um, over six different classes and um, they are all amazing. Mm-hmm. They're amazing kids. And do you kind of have a hard time getting to know each one or, or do you find that these kids, you know, in, because it's an art class, you get the chance to get to know all of them? I always say there's a lot of flair and there's mm-hmm. a lot of flavor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really nice way to put it. Um, and so... Freedom High School, uh, contrary to the national trends, does very well in how it supports the arts. So how have you seen this positive local trend impact the students that you work with, as there are many of them? Yes, there are many. Um, (laughs) I've seen a more positive student culture with the arts being a part of our school and school culture. I see how the arts are helping with social emotional growth to form student connections, teacher to student Mm -hmm. and student to student. I also see how students are using the arts to find more inner peace and letting go of stress. This has been absolutely a huge part of this Mm -hmm. past year. And I can see how the arts have been able to create space in itself to let a student have time to explore thoughts and emotions. Mm. Um, On campus, we've got murals. We've got impromptu skits. um, There's a robust music program. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to bring wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. arts to these students. Yeah, do you think that there was a very large increase in the in like students participating in the arts since the start of the pandemic? I think that overall, um, some parent was like, "We got to get to Michaels and quick. <laughs> Those DIYs are calling. <laughs> we don't know what to do." And it was really amazing to see that without even knowing how mm-hmm. that was working on their child's mental health, um, that they were doing those things. So I'm hoping that parents and students will also still see the value this next year Mm -hmm. and how important and critical it is for our students to maintain health. um, Right. 
mentally, yeah. Okay. And so what are some new or developing programs for the arts that you know of being proposed by local high schools or that you are currently working on as a teacher? Well, I love this question mm-hmm. because <laughs> I myself am always trying to grow and strive and push push new limits. Um, and so I'm working on getting a ceramics program up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to gain student interest to work with the community to support mm-hmm. this. I want to see how the arts can be sustainable in a community. So mm-hmm. teaching them the art skills, but also teaching them where can they put that art mm-hmm. and how does that art sell and mm-hmm. who wants to look at that art. Right. Um, and so really giving them a full artist perspective. Mm-hmm. And so kind of giving them that chance to just experience that professional side of artistry and connecting with people on a marketing level too. Absolutely. Yeah. And working with their hands, getting mm-hmm. a little dirty, as we say, I think is great for their um their growth, you know, mm-hmm. especially at their age group, they've got a lot of emotions. And so getting into that clay and, you know, yeah. working it helps them to sort of yeah. find more inner thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, my older sister actually was is in law school right now, but she took ceramics her senior year and we went to the same college and I went to watch her do it one time and it was wild because, you know, lawyer, right? And she was just so into making this bowl and she gave it to me later. She painted it blue, no other colors, just blue. But <laughs> she told me that ceramics was just so like pleasing and just peaceful for her. And so I think that that's kind of something really important for students to learn. Absolutely. It's an all intensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so on the topic of new programs, uh, to contextualize this topic to be more local, let's discuss a local art program here in East Contra Costa County, the uh, Banner Up program. So as a short summary, the Art Guild of the Delta, starting on July 10th and then continuing until August 31st, is hosting an auction for art created by local artists. Their artwork is posted up on banners, on streetlights, and up until August 31st, people can bid on these art pieces to be able to take them home. I even think that there are three employees at the press that actually have artwork in this year's auction. So Emily, what are your thoughts on this program? First off, I'm happy that art is being more accessible to the public. Mm -hmm. And I'm also really excited to see that the funds go right back into the arts, Mm -hmm. to the theater. And Mm -hmm. so that for me is a big win-win. Right, right. Okay. And so why do you think it is important for a local community to kind of put that investment, you know, into the arts? Because art is like a language like no other. It Mm -hmm. creates open doors and pathways across all cultures. Mm -hmm. It's a way to inspire and be inspired. And I think if we bring local community together with the arts, we're banding together with a common language to create beauty and unity. Mm -hmm. And so do you know of any other programs catered towards youth that they can submit their art towards? I do. There's actually a program called 333 Arts. Mm -hmm. Um, Sage Loring is the head of it. And why I like that is because they're bringing arts to the community and working with youth to help Mm -hmm. paint murals. Um, and their big thing is they're bringing strangers mm-hmm. to build together um, to leave not strangers anymore, right? But people who have common ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they say, come for the art and stay for the friendship. Okay, so it's it's not even just at this point the personal inner growth; it's also just the community growth and the interpersonal growth between people. Absolutely, I think when you know, a larger community is reached, I think that that is then exponential of how that 
will hopefully keep growing. Mm -hmm. And so I guess on the other side of that coin, um, how is the defunding of arts programs nationally, you think, affecting these specific types of programs? That's a great question. Um, I think that state funding can affect our A through G requirements at schools Mm -hmm. and also what colleges are looking for. Um, Looking at why arts funding has decreased in conjunction with changing graduation and college requirements and the competition to get in is a very real thing, which has lowered the number of students um, in arts classes as well. Mm -hmm. So if fewer kids are taking the course, that means fewer dollars are directed there. Mm -hmm. And state policy and college policy have had huge ramifications. And to be honest, I wish art was more valued, not just as a credit needed but to create a well-rounded mind. Mm, Okay, okay. So it's a lot about like the ability to participate and then if participation decreases, then that hurts the ability to participate even more and then it just becomes like a snowball effect of like just constant decrease. Exactly. Uh, That's that's definitely rough. Um, And so when it comes to, you know, my personal opinion of the status of the arts and the idea of funding and community involvement, you know, I kind of want to dive into the opinion actually for both of us just a little bit deeper. And, you know, so personally, I think that the funding of the arts is incredibly important because, and, you know, there's a number of reasons for this, you know, not that I'm biased as a creative writing degree, but, um, you know, not just that expression at a young age is important in how, you know, a lot of people talk about how creativity is then able to cultivate a different type of intelligence. And it's not that it makes one person smarter than the other, but rather it's just having more well-rounded mindset. And so, Emily, what are some of your personal thoughts on why the arts are just so important? Well, I'll tell you a story that Mm -hmm. happened today, actually. Really? Um, There was a kid who I don't think ever had an art class before. Mm Mm-hmm. Finished something very small today because mm. I start small and then grow big. <laughs> Finished something today, came up to my desk and asked me if he could put it up on my wall. That's cute. <laughs> and I said, but of course. Mm-hmm. And there was something so much bigger mm-hmm. that happened for that student. Is he, first of all, learned something. Second of all, was proud of himself and then was brave enough to say, I'm... I'm going to put this up, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that's one mind, a mind who hasn't ever touched and Mm -hmm. felt art before. Right. And I think another mind is the very scholastic, Mm -hmm. um, educated kid who is like math, Mm -hmm. science all the time, you know, whatever their subject matter is, is me coming in there with a little bit of humor and a little bit of like elbows to say, hey, what if you threw in some red there? <laughs> or what if you just drew five lines through that? Mm-hmm. And their mind just spins. Right. They're because like, what? <laughs> it's not a formula and it's not something that you can predict. Mm-hmm. And so watching that mind develop into the arts to allow things to be which then comes right back into like their social emotional skills. Of mm-hmm. If you are a doctor, you know, and you obviously got a lot of knowledge up there in your right. head. Can you also talk to somebody about what it is that's happening with them? Right. Mm-hmm. Being in the arts allows for color, feeling, suggestions, um, how to also be a good listener mm-hmm. when you're hearing someone talk about your art. So There's a lot of things that we're doing in that room to build, I think, a holistic whole person. Mm -hmm. 
You know, and I think that also says a lot about just like you as a teacher, I want to say, because, you know, when I have my writing, right, there's just this rule myself where I am okay with millions of people reading it online. But if one of the people that I actually know tries to read it, I'm setting it all on fire, right? <laughs> like it's not happening. And so I think that's great that this student not only came up to me and was like, look at this art I made, but said, I want to display this on your wall. And I think that that's you know, a really a testament to the passion that you seem to have for the arts and the students that you're able to teach. Absolutely. These kids are my all. And <laughs> when they succeed, you know, we all succeed. Mm -hmm. So um, just being able to show them a brighter light. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, I was once told this, that because, you know, I had one of those very flamboyant art teachers in my gen ed college classes. <laughs> um, I was once told that art is, you know, transcendent and it can communicate to people and create connections, you know, beyond the boundary of language. Um, and so with this in mind, how have you seen art manifest change in communities that have invested in the arts? Absolutely. Well, I've seen it tenfold. I guess when you say the community that's invested in the arts, I, um, I yeah, I, I guess I come back to one story where I've had students that have been mm -hmm. down on their luck mm. or having a hard time at home, and um, sometimes using that art or that quiet place to escape mm -hmm. to be anywhere that right. their notebook is and watching them travel to distant faraway places or up into the ethers or transcending by just having a paper and pencil mm -hmm. and so sometimes these art supplies or these communities that help to support the arts are also helping like long-term mm -hmm. yeah I guess uh the, the abilities of these kids, right? right. Long-term, right. right? Of being able to go places that they wouldn't otherwise be afforded. Right. So kind of just like that ability to express in a way that sometimes just words don't suffice. Absolutely. And there's also like, you know, if you show up with any piece of art anywhere, mm -hmm. sometimes you just stop, you reflect, mm -hmm. you take a deeper look. And everybody's opinion or thought is different. Mm -hmm. And that's what's also beautiful is I tell my students, and I told them this today, is we did a project where there's no expectations, mm -hmm. there's no wrong answers, and there's no deliberate outcomes. Mm -hmm. It's just what you are feeling in the moment and how your pencil flows. Right. And uh, it's kind of like that one... I don't know. I, I don't know if that's this quote or a saying, but I heard it said once. I feel like I hear everything said a lot, but I, you know, I heard it said once that, you know, Van Gogh and Da Vinci were two completely different artists and yet both had equally beautiful art. And it's that idea where it's not that it has to be structured or unstructured or something that everybody gets, but it's something that if it comes from the heart, then it is your art. And then that's kind of just how it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and there's students who, you know, you can tell from far away, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, another student who's working and, mm -hmm. you know, going to take some time to work on those straight lines yeah. <laughs> or curved lines, <laughs> you know, but either way, they're getting more confident and they are coming into their own as their own artist. And mm -hmm. that's what I love is that there is no predicted outcome of this has to look this way. It's your, like, mm -hmm. it's your flow. 
Yeah, you know, like, and as I like to say for myself, I'm no Picasso, but I I draw a wicked stick figure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But no, so thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. That's it for today's episode of Clocked In with the Press. If you liked it, don't forget to follow along with our podcast on your favorite platforms such as Buzzsprout, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Do you think that the art should receive more state funding? What is your favorite artistic hobby through the pandemic? And what publicly funded arts programs have benefited you personally? Let us know what you think on our Facebook at thepress.net or on Twitter and Instagram at PressClockedIn. I hope you continue to listen in as we cover a million people with a million stories, one episode at a time. This is your host, Caitlin Gleason, clocking out.